You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. This morning I've entitled the message, Hope That Makes Miracles. But when I use the term hope, what I'm talking about is the hope associated with faith. How many know there's a hope in the world and there's a hope that comes with faith? Kind of like when you get a, a meal at McDonald's, it comes with a soft drink and french fries and the hamburger or whatever. When you have faith for, that comes from God, it comes with a hope that is a certain expectation that God is going to come through. And I, I pray today that you're going to get this, and I'm going to give you some of the keys on how it works in my life, how God has turned an individual like me who was very negative at one time in my life into a very positive person, which causes your faith to soar when you're positive. People who are negative have a very hard time believing God for anything. So if it's something you're struggling with, and I know that in the culture that we live in right now, that negativity is at an epidemic level. There is fear, there is hatred, there is bitterness all over our country, division right and left. And so as a Christian, it is a real challenge to stay positive in the world that we live in. But if we don't, our faith will get weak and we won't see God move in this generation that God wants to do. I heard a story uh, from a, a preacher who was very famous, a very positive preacher. And he gave this story, and I want to relate it to you because I believe it hits so hard with what I'm preaching today. He was over in Hong Kong, and his wife wanted to have a dress made, and over in Hong Kong, it's a lot cheaper than it was over here. And so he was letting her do that, and he said, I'm going to go for a walk. This is boring. I don't, I don't want to watch him make a dress for you. And so he went for a walk, and he went to a tattoo uh, parlor that was there. And he went inside, and there was a fellow there that had a tattoo tattooed on his chest where he was just finishing up. It was called Born to Lose. And it took him by, back by surprise. He looked at it and says, I can't believe somebody put that on them. Well, the guy left, and he turned to the guy that did the tattoo, and he says, do very many people do that? And he says, yeah, a lot of people do that tattoo. And he said, why would anyone in their right mind put a tattoo on their chest that says, born to lose? And the, and the fellow turned to him and says, because it's tattooed in their mind. Now, I've been studying the Word of God a long time in my life. And I've never yet found any scriptures that indicate or even suggest that anybody is born to lose. On the contrary, I find scriptures that say we're born to win. I find scriptures that tell us that we're born to ride in high places. I find scriptures that tell us that we're to be the head, not the tail, above and not, not beneath. I don't find any scriptures that say we are losers. And I believe that when you read the gospel and get faith for it, it causes you to have a positive outlook on your future and on what can God can do in your life. And so what I want to do is I want to start out and give you some word. Maybe a little deep for some of you, give you a little bit of word. And then I'm going to give you some practical applications how to stay positive when you're overwhelmed by the negativity in your life. Amen? Are you ready for me? All right, look in your Bibles, if you would, or John's Gospel. We'll put it up on the screen here. Listen to what Jesus says. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. 
In my Father's house are many mansions or dwelling places. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, traditionally, this has been taught by most people that Jesus is talking about when he comes back at the second coming, but it's not referring to that any way, shape, or form. He's talking about preparing a place in heaven in his ascension that gives his power or his people power over the present situations they're in. Paul said it this way. He says, set your mind on things above where Christ sitteth. He's talking about after ascending after the resurrection and then coming back down to his disciples because he says something in the same chapter that reveals it is in the second coming. Look at the verse. Put it on the screen. He says, and now I've told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. How many know at the second coming of Christ, everybody will believe? Every eye will see. There'll be no doubt. Go, I wonder what that is. No, you're gonna, people are going to know and every knee is going to bow to the name of Jesus at the second coming of Christ. So he's not talking about that. He's talking about when he ascends on high after the cross and reappears, many of his disciples didn't believe he was resurrected. Let me prove it to you. You remember on the third day, Mary goes to the tomb. Goes there, and there's an angel sitting at the front where Jesus was laying. Angel sitting in the back, which is another message in itself. And Jesus is gone. And Mary looks around. Where's, where's my Lord? Where's, where's his body? Where is he? And he, she sees a man, and she supposes the man is a gardener. Why would she suppose he's a gardener? Because a gardener generally has dirty clothes on if he's a gardener. And, she, and Jesus speaks to her and she realizes it's the Lord. Now what's crazy is at that moment, the Bible said, Jesus says, touch me not. Depending on your translation, some say quit clinging to me. That's not an accurate translation, I believe. He said, touch me not. It's the same word used when a woman with the issue of blood said, if I just touch his garment, I shall be made whole. Why did Jesus on that third day when he was raised up, why did he say, don't touch me? Because he had not ascended to the Father. He had not taken his blood and sprinkled it on the mercy seat and made salvation for everyone. Because we see after he ascends, he says, my father will be your father. My God will be your God. In other words, that dwelling place will be secured with him. Because when Jesus came back after he ascended, you remember he appears to disciples and they think, it's a ghost. He says, handle me, which means to touch him. Later, doubting Thomas, you remember what he did? If I don't, I don't believe it unless I touch him put my, my hands in, in the holes in his side and so forth. And what did Jesus do? Had him touch him. So you could touch Jesus after his ascension, but not on the way up because he was the sacrifice for all of our sins, praise God. 
This is what Paul means when he talks about set your mind on those things above where Christ sitteth. In other words, I want you to focus in on the victory that Christ has wrought for you in the resurrection. He made a place for you in heaven. The Bible says now we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The Bible says as he is, so are we in this world. There is a spiritual power that has been invested in the church since that moment. Now, what I want to do is show you that this was prophesied in the Old Testament by Daniel as well. And when you see this, if you don't get excited, something's wrong with you. We'll have to get you saved. Amen? Amen. But look at this, Daniel chapter 7. And uh, I'll define it as we go through it. I watched till thrones were put into place. Notice he says thrones, plural. Not just a throne. Thrones. How many know when Jesus rose from the dead, we were made to sit with him in heavenly places? Book of, uh, Book of Revelation, church at Laodicea, that says, if you overcome in this, this, in this area, I will establish you on your throne like I was established on my throne. We're talking about spiritual uh, prominence, spiritual authority invested in God's people. And he says, I watched till the thrones were put into place and the ancients of day was seated. Ancient of day is referring to Jesus. It means days before creation were created. The Bible said all things are made by him and for him. Someone ought to shout hallelujah right now. Say amen. Thank you, Jesus. So it says, the ancient of days, saw my Jesus, was seated. His garment was white as snow. Hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheel burning fire. Look at this next part. And a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousands and thousands ministered to him. Ten thousands uh, times ten thousand stood before him. And the court was seated and the books were open. This is an exact reference to Revelation chapter 1 describing Jesus. Same thing. Here's what I want you to see. Daniel is looking towards the future. We're looking back to the past. And I want you to see what happens when Jesus is raised up and sat down on high. Look at this verse. I was watching and the same horn was making war against the saints, prevailing against them. Now stop there. In this prophecy, there are four beasts. The last beast is the Antichrist during the Great Tribulation. I don't want to get into that today. But this, what Daniel saw, was Jesus prevailing over the kingdoms of this world. Look at the next verse. Until, say until. Say it again, until. Say it like you mean it, until. The ancients of day came, that's talking about Jesus, and judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High, and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. That's what happened in the resurrection of Christ. The time came that Satan was kicked out of heaven. God the Father stood up there in heaven. He had Jesus. He had Satan. And Jesus had become a sacrifice for us. He was the gardener. He, he had taken our sins. And you know what God the Father says? I'm siding with my son. I'm siding with the saints. And Satan, I'm going to boot you out of heaven. That's the resurrection. Now, there's, if you're not positive, 
It's not because of gospel. You can always tell the difference between doctrine that is from men's understanding and doctrine that comes from the word of God. The difference is this. The doctrine that comes from the word of God works. The doctrine of men doesn't get you healed. The doctrine of men don't get you saved. The doctrine of men doesn't restore your family. The doctrine of men don't cause you to write in high places, but the doctrine of God does. So when you believe right, you will soar right. You will, come on, praise God. Woo! I just love this, man. I just love this. I wanted to start with that because I think sometimes Christians come to church and because they've, heard someone preach the word from a negative spirit rather from the spirit of faith they think it's gloom and doom and horrible things when in reality it's full of victory that's how I changed the way that I thought I was raised like most of you in a traditional church and and uh, in churches like that, if you have money, you're, you're really not considered blessed. And, and suffering's just part of being a good Christian. The more you suffer, the more spiritual you are. It wasn't until I had been called by God to go to Bible school in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was there. There was 2,000 people in the stadium, uh, the students. And we were singing praises to God. There were people from all over the world that God had spoke to to go to the school. I mean, it wasn't like I just made a choice. These people had been spoken to. And I remember Dr. Stewart got up and he says, I want you to know that those that have left their families and mothers and lands for my sake shall receive a hundred times as much in this lifetime with persecution. And I remember I was so excited. I ran home or drove home, and I told my wife, I said, baby, we got a hundred full coming. I'd never heard the gospel preached like that before. It changed me, and right then I realized I got to get this negativity out of my life. God desires good for me, not bad. God's not the author that steals, kills, and destroys. Satan. We got to fight in faith for what God gives us. We got to break that bent of negativity in our lives where we're always expecting the worst instead of expecting the best in our life. Listen to what Jesus says in the gospel. Put it up on the screen if you would. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. In other words, in that ascension, Satan was cast down to the earth. And he turned up the heat and the church began to get revelation after revelation and revelation. And by uh, AD into the 90s, uh, Christianity got into the Roman Empire and everything changed. But it was tough going in the beginning as the word was going forth. But victory's been going ever since. And we're going to stare it up because I want you to know something. America doesn't belong to the devil. China doesn't belong to the devil. Did you hear me? None of these countries belong to the devil. They belong to us. Put that up on the screen, Revelation. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there was a loud voice in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever. God's not done with America. 
Thank you for that week, amen. I, I, I really want a little bit more participation. Come on, God's not done with America. We got to stay strong. We got to keep expecting the best and not the worst and realize the only power that Satan has in our country is through blindness. Once a man or woman's eyes are open to the gospel, everything changes in their life. Colossians 3.2 says, Set your mind on things above where Christ sitteth. It didn't say set your mind on many, many are the affliction of the righteous. It didn't say that. Set your mind on many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord shall deliver us out of all of them. And I think sometimes that's where we miss it. We allow the negativity to get around. You know, in my house, I have a thermostat. It, I'm pretty proud of my thermostat. It is one that I can control with my phone. So I can turn up, the, I can be upstairs in my office, turn up the air conditioning, turn it down, whatever I want. But it, it has a mind of its own. It has this automatic feature where it always goes back to what it decides to do. And we've got to be the same way when it comes to negativity. We've got to set that gauge in our heart, even though we're dealing with negative situations, that it comes back to a positive view. It comes back, yeah, I see something good coming out of it. I know my kids are acting crazy, but they're going to, they're going to learn from their stupidness. Say amen. amen. We've got to do that in the culture that we live in. Or it's going to get the best of us. Now, this is going to help a lot of us overcome marriage disputes, raising children. Come on, these are challenges. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to give you some wisdom I learned from a friend of mine who, drives, who flies around the country doing motivational seminars for business people. When he first got married, because of his schedule, the way he lived, his wife kind of struggled with it. And they were not getting along very good at all. But they're both Christians. So she decided, she said, you know, I, every time I look at him, I come up with a negative view. And so she took a piece of paper and wrote down some of the things she didn't like about her husband. And then she went over to the other side of the column and started to write down the things that she liked. She first started out, well, let me think. Okay, here, wrote it down and kept thinking and kept thinking and kept thinking until eventually the list was far longer on the qualities that she liked about her husband than the things that were wrong. And as soon as she saw that, she was able to go into a discussion with him and still love him and work it out because she kept a positive outlook of her husband. Can you say amen? I've had people I've counseled with and and, they, and I say, what do you like about your husband? Nothing. <laughs> what about your wife? Well, I can't think of too much right now. And I always come back and I say this. There must have been something that you liked about him to say I do. No one buys a car unless there's something about the car that you like. I mean, if you're a husband, you think, I don't like your tires, I don't like your wheels, I don't like your, your windows, I don't like, the, how, I don't like how slow, come on. There's got to be something inside of that man that caused you to marry him in the first place. And what you got to do is write that down. But did you ever notice when you're dating like that, you don't notice their shortcomings? 
Oh, I know she's late, but I love her. Ten years later, she's always late. She'll be late for the rapture. <laughs> Amen. So that we have to fight this negativity. Especially in the day that we live in. Like I said, we're in a pandemic of, of bitterness, hatred, fear in our culture. I know some people uh, uh, in the beginning of the, this epidemic, they're watching news five, six hours a day. And you wonder why we come to church. Michelle has to stand on her head to get anybody to worship. She's just completely overwhelmed by negativity. Or the person, should I say. We have to understand something. You cannot overcome a negative situation with negative input. Any more than you can take dirty water and make it pure by dirty water. You got to have pure water to make dirty water pure. You know what it's like when you're negative? It's like trying to go down a water slide without water. You got to have a positive spirit. Now, like I said, this, uh, this coming year, Joyce and I will be married 50 years. Say amen. And if you think your husband or your wife was something that was difficult, you weren't married to me. You're talking about a guy that gets obsessed with martial arts, a guy that gets obsessed, a guy that loves to hit before he speaks. That's who I was. I was so angry when she married me. I was so rough around the corners. I was scary. She wouldn't even take me around certain people because my mouth was so foul. You think you had a project. Hallelujah. But she saw the diamond in the rough. She saw, yeah, within that guy is super duper duper man. Man, once I train him, he's going to be outstanding. And by the way, I've turned out pretty good, don't you think? I think I'm super duper. I think from 1 to 10, I'm a 20. Say amen. <laughs> you guys are laughing. If I had your wife here, oh, I can't be honest, praise God. But you understand what I'm saying? I was very negative. But as I studied the word of God, I began to realize if I was negative, I couldn't interpret the scripture right. If I was negative, I couldn't judge people correctly. If I was negative, I couldn't pastor effectively because I'm always mad at somebody. And I never had the faith to do anything because I always had a negative outcome. Oh, that won't work. Oh, no, yeah, that doesn't work either. It was always that negative conclusion whenever I was overwhelmed by negativity. It was only when I changed it, it changed. Amen. Say amen. God has saved you, but you have to allow him to change you, not others, before his salvation can work through you in a great way. Some of the greatest people in the, in the world are people that have had the worst problems. But because they went to God, they went to the Word, and renewed their mind, especially those who watch on TV, because you should be at church today. Say amen. You got issues. You got to fix it.
God gives you the word, but you've got to change. You've got to renew your mind, renew your mind, and then God will minister to you in a great way, and you will become great and awesome, and you'll get the joy of the Lord back in your... Oh, wow. Do you all feel that maybe in America today, Christians have lost their joy? Huh? When you shoot somebody because they ask you to wear a mask, I think there's a joy issue. When you drive someone off the road because that you don't agree with them, there's, there's an issue. When you beat up a stewardess because they told you to do something, there's a joy, lack of joy. One of the things Joyce and I have always done in a ministry, it's like 24-7, we would always have a good time with the kids. I told the kids, I said, if you don't like living here, bye. Have a, have a great day. But I always made them happy always did good things in fact my kids they would always bother me uh there was a in those days we had record players and i remember christmas time they got this stupid record it it and it had a song on it it said be patient be patient bum, 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 bum. so i'd be working all day at the church come home no patience my daughter would put the song on and then when I'd get in the flesh, she'd say, Pastor, Pastor Holt. But we always had a good time. Always had a good time. Always celebrated birthdays. Always made sure that people had gifts. Always enjoyed each other in spite of the schedule that we went. And my wife, she would pray with the kids for 20 to, 20 to 30 minutes every night. In fact, I'd have a Bible study on a Friday night, and she'd say, I've got to go pray for the kids. It's 11 o'clock at night. She'd be in there for half an hour. All the time we did that. It kept the joy of the Lord up in people's hearts. Church, we can't do anything if we're negative. If all we got to do is talk about what's wrong with everybody else, we can't do nothing. People are going to get saved because we're the happiest people on the face of this earth and I want some of your happiness. I want some of your joy that you have. I want to feel that slide in my glide. I want to rejoice with the Lord with all my heart. I want to do that. Not bumps on a log. Not the frozen chosen. Let's nuke you today. Hallelujah, praise God. Negativity is like poop. It attracts flies. Turn to your neighbor and say, no, don't, don't say that. Don't say that. Don't say that. We do enough editing here, praise God. All right, let me, let me say this. I got to go quicker here. A positive outcome in your mind where you see things positively turning out in your life gives you a current of supernatural existence. In other words, you'll be able to endure things and do the right things for a long period of time if you have a positive outcome. My son, I, we used to make him eat his meal, and he would sit at the table for a half an hour after we ate and still eating away at the food. We would give him vitamins to take. And then one day I noticed the vent next to the dining room table. I looked down in there and all the vitamins were down inside the, the vent. 
And you know what I'm talking about when you raise kids, you, uh, you have these moments, I can't stay positive. Honey, pray for me. I want to kill him. <laughs> but you have to know how to come out of it or you'll lose your effectiveness with the kid. My son would, would tell him, take out the garbage, take out the garbage, take out the garbage. Finally, he wouldn't take it out, so she would take it and lay it on, in on his bed. And he would still not take out the garbage. But she didn't give up on him because she has a positive view. She knows that if he raise a child the way that he shall go, the child will not depart from him. Always had that positive view. You know, one of the first women that swam the English Channel was a woman by the name of Inger. And the first attempt that she had, she failed at it. Because the fog came in, and she was only like, I don't know, a couple hundred feet from the shore. But the fog had come in, and she couldn't see the shoreline. And because she couldn't see the shoreline, she just said, I can't go. I can't go on. Second time it, she did it, there was no fog and she was able to go all the way to the end. There's something about it seeing the positive outcome of what you're trying to achieve that motivates you, that generates you, that gets you moving in the level that you need to go in your life. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I just can't see it. All I see is I'm losing the house. All I see is my, my marriage is going to end up in counseling and probably then in divorce. You know, all I see is my kids on drugs. And I'm telling you, the way out is not that path. Because when you're negative, it comes out of your mouth. And the Bible said, death and life is in the power of the tongue. So you accelerate the sin in a person's life by speaking in death. So when you're negative, instead of a positive outcome, you've got a negative outcome, and you give Satan the legal right to do what he's trying to do with your kids, with your wife. Believe that it'll get better. See your family in harmony, eating dinner together. See them communicating and not on the phone all day and not on Facebook. Come on, see it, see it, see it. And if you need a little help, unplug it. Talk about unplugging the computer. Why is it so quiet? Did I hit a sacred cow right there? I don't know if you noticed that Facebook is nothing more than a gossip channel. Most of it is just nothing more than a gossip channel. We're not supposed to build each other up by gossip. We're to be edifying. You know, I'm going to defriend them. Oh, that's really going to help. How about we just start to stay positive? Say some positive things so that God can minister in a great way. Let me close with this. I want to give you how to break a negative bent. Two ways I want you to see. Trespass in iniquities in Scripture. Trespass is like the neighbor puts up a sign, no trespassing, and you cross over, shortcut to your house through, through that. That's a trespass. Iniquity is when you do it every day. You create a pattern of negativity in your life. James says, if we know to do right and we don't do it, it's sin to us. So a lot of us have a negative bent 
and we don't know it's wrong. It's just kind of the way we are. But after today, you know it's sin. Once you know it's sin, you can just repent of it. But here's the key. You got to change the pattern. Change the pattern. Change the pattern. I got in one of those healthy discussions with my wife about something one time. And it was our day off, which you have on a Monday. So she storms out to the car. I storm out to the car and get into the car. We're going to have a good time going to lunch. Fire's coming out her eyes. I said, baby, this ain't working. I said, get out of the car. Why? Just get out of the car. She gets out of the car. We go back into the living room. I grabbed her. And my adorable self kissed her. I said, baby, I'm sorry. You're right. I'm always wrong. <laughs> now, granted, I'm exaggerating a little bit here. But the point was, I said, we've got to start off better. We've got to start off better. Let's start off fresh. Let's forget what was said. Let's start off fresh. And let's enjoy each other that day. Sometimes you've got to do that. The ma you know, the making up part's the funnest part. Amen? Praise God. Sometimes you just need to do that on a regular basis if you're having one of those weeks where everything keeps going wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong. Hallelujah. See, I expect when I'm 90, her to run me, chase me around the house, not with a walker. Maybe I'm just way too much optimistic, but I believe that God wants that for you today. That's why you're here. God wants to build up your spirit. God wants you to have a positive view of your family, of your children, of our country, of the White House, of the Senate, of the House. He wants you to look beyond the negativity and see the miracle in the making. Say amen, praise God. That's what's going to turn America around is when we wake up and say we're going to enjoy each other again. We're going to rejoice again. We're going to worship God again. We're not going to be doomsday. We are going to thank God for what he's doing in our lives. Then God is going to turn the tide and you'll be blessed. Amen? You know, David, he was an optimistic individual. We know that from the prophetic word that he says. He says, I give thanks always. I, put, I keep praise always in my mouth. And he had some rough times. But he always had it set to come back to the positive and that's what you got to be I like the verse in Psalms 23 5 says surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life he didn't say surely goodness and mercy will follow me on Christmas and my birthday all the days but that will not happen if you don't decide today I'm going to be a positive thinker I'm going to read the word in faith, not fear. I'm not going to look for everything that's wrong. I'm going to look for everything that's right to correct what's wrong in my culture. Amen. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.